Hello, you're listening to Let the Bible Speak. Let the Bible Speak is the radio ministry of the Free Presbyterian Church. Stephen Pollock is the pastor of Free Presbyterian Church of Malvern, Pennsylvania. The church is located at the junction of 401 and Mallon Road. Thank you for joining us today as Dr. Pollock opens the Word of God and lets the Bible speak. Well, thank you for joining us again on this episode of Let the Bible Speak. We are so very grateful for our listeners and we'll often be praying for you in our regular church prayer meetings, praying that the Word of God will be of benefit to each of your hearts. I've said before that if you would like to get in touch, uh, please do so via our email address, which is malvernfpc at yahoo.com. That's Malvern, M-A-L-V-E-R-N-F-P-C at yahoo.com. And if you have any comments or questions or even a suggestion of something you'd like us to cover in the programs, uh, please don't hesitate to to get in touch. We'd love to, to hear from you. It is certainly our conviction that the Word of God is the most important thing for the child of God. For it brings the Christ of God to their hearts. Christ is revealed in the Word of God, as we'll see today, as we continue in our studies in First Thessalonians chapter five. We're considering the church that is waiting, waiting for Christ's return, and we will see at the end of today's program that it is Christ revealed in the Word that gives us the security and the stability to live in this fallen world with all of its temptations and struggles. I'd also say that we'd love to see you visiting our church in person. Please feel free to to come along. Our services are at uh, 11 a.m. and uh, 6 p.m. We also have a Sabbath school hour at 10 a.m. But let's get into our study today as we see Paul's description of the waiting church. I say description, we certainly see Paul's insight as to what is expected of a church as the church awaits Christ's return. At times he gives descriptions describing the church as the children of light and at other times he gives them their duties, the obligations of people who are waiting for Christ's return. And so we have in the verse number six, this word of a strong exhortation, therefore let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober. For they that sleep, sleep in the night, and they that be drunken are drunken in the night. But let us, who are of the day, be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and for an helmet the hope of salvation. Before we get into the study today, it would be good to pray, and again to ask the Lord for his help. And if you're listening in, uh, perhaps this is a good time for you to do just that, to ask for the Lord to open your heart and open your mind to understand the Word of God. We are those, again, in this program, in this broadcast, and our desire is to let the Bible speak. But we do understand that the Bible speaks to the souls of men only as the Spirit of God illuminates their minds. And so let's pray to that end again today. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your Word. We thank you for these words of exhortation that Paul gives to our hearts and we pray for every listener now we pray that as they hear the word of god you would so bring that word to their hearts that they be guarded from every attack of the evil one 
and be given the grace to, to put on the armour of God for their spiritual benefit. So bless the word to each of our hearts today as we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. The last time we were together on this programme, we noted that Paul uses the imagery of the armour. Of course, to the readers of his day, they would have been very familiar with the Roman soldiers and the armour that they wore as they would indeed have governed the areas under their jurisdiction. They had a helmet and a breastplate, a sword and a shield. Uh, they had special sandals, all those things that Paul mentions in Ephesians chapter 6. In First Thessalonians chapter 5, though he highlights just two pieces of armour, the breastplate and the helmet, and the very fact that he uses this armour imagery reminds us that our Christian life involves warfare. That even for the individual believer, there are these seasons of conflict. I say seasons, but in reality, it is a continual warfare, a continual battle. The Lord has gone to prepare a place for us and has given us the assurance of eternal life. We await his return and the consummation of redemption. We await that glorious day of resurrection. But in the meantime, it is the Lord's will that as we wait, we are waiting not in peace and tranquility, but we are involved in a pilgrimage through a battlefield. We find ourselves battling with these spiritual forces. And in this imagery of the armour, we, we do see the implied assault of the evil one. The armour reminds us that the devil seeks to attack and to harm our hearts and our heads. We saw how he uses the, the dual means of deception and doubt. These things that overlap as he sows doubt by deception and also would use our doubts in his deceptive ways. He plays on our doubts. And so at times the deception will come because he knows the questions that the believer will ask. You see, consider again that familiar language used by the evil one, by Satan, the deceiver, in the very beginning, when he comes to Eve and says, Hath God said? Bringing doubts and deception in this attack uh, towards our first parents. Of course, in deception, we know that primarily now that deception comes in the form of false teaching. Even in Paul's day, the church in Corinth were wrestling with false apostles. And Paul explains their presence, describing Satan himself as an angel of light. And therefore, Satan's ministers are transformed into ministers of righteousness. But they are not true ministers. They are not true messengers of the word of God. These are false apostles, deceitful workers. And so Satan, the deceiver, will use these false apostles to bring deception to the hearts and the minds of God's people. There were those, of course, who were teaching in Paul's day that Jesus Christ had not truly come in the flesh. And those who taught that they were also deceivers and antichrists, according to Second John chapter 1. And so we are, again, continually under the attack of the evil one. And in this modern age, when communication is so easy and the transmission of communication is so easy, we need to be especially vigilant regarding all manner of false teaching. You know, there are those who are teaching that the Christian gospel is a message of love to the world. 
But what they mean by that is that we must be those who love the world. But that is law, not gospel. The law is to love God and to love our neighbour. But we feel upon this, the gospel is that Christ has indeed died, that we might be forgiven of our lack of love. Oh yes, as those who are saved, we do seek to obey the commandments. But the commandments are given to remind us of our need of Christ Jesus. They are not given us as a way of finding favour with God. And so you see how easy it is for deception to creep into the church. And so the doubts come. Satan seeks to attack the believer's confidence in God. Can God be relied upon? Is he true? Is he faithful? And the attacks of the evil one upon the church over the years, they play upon these doubts. The liberals sought to attack the reliability of God's word, leading to the doubts and the questions, is God's word true? You think of some of the modern evangelical attacks upon the Sabbath day, bringing doubts upon the benefits that come from obeying God's infallible word. Similar way you think of the attacks upon marriage. Is marriage really the only way for a couple to love each other? You see, these things come and we find ourselves under the attack of the evil one. And indeed, in our own times of difficult providences, we wonder about the goodness and the kindness of God. And indeed, in all the manner of false gospels, we find ourselves asking the question, is Christ's work sufficient? These battles come and Satan, whilst he cannot work inside the heart of the child of God, works outside of ourselves through people, through agencies, through institutions. And he seeks to sow doubts in our hearts, challenging our confidence in the Lord. And so it is vital that the child of God understand the action that is required of them. The armour imagery again reminds us of our responsibility in the battle we are to protect ourselves. Again, let me read to you the words of verse number 8 of our chapter. But let us, here of the day, be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love and foreign helmet the hope of salvation. This chapter is highlighting our responsibilities, that we are not to sleep, we are to watch and be sober, and we are to put on this breastplate. This is our responsibility. The language used, the putting on language here, the grammar, speaks of an action that is done once and for all, but yet has ongoing implications. And so when the believer comes to know Christ, they, in a sense, exercise faith and love and hope. And in so doing, they put on the armour of Christ's righteousness and they put on the helmet of salvation. And as they put on this armour, they are to put it on and, if you like, never to take it off again. You see, we need to use the armour continually. It's a sense of understanding that the armour that is given to us is an armour to be used continually. And yes, we receive it in salvation. We receive it when we're first converted. The Lord provides this armour for us, but we are to use it each and every day. It is our present responsibility and our present privilege. And so let me think with you a little bit about the activity of the believer. You see, in this passage, this is dealing with our action while we wait for Christ's return. And as we saw last time, the distinction between the armour here in Thessalonians and that of Ephesians 
is that the armor described in Thessalonians is used in particular to describe our action in applying this armor to our souls. Three graces, the three summary graces are mentioned, faith and love and hope. And these are the graces that describe and summarize our response to the gospel. We are those who indeed believe. I think of the words of of 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 in this regard, where Paul will give thanks to God for the believers as he remembers their work of faith and labor of love and patience of hope. He highlights that it is indeed, it is their activity as they believe, it's their activity as they love Christ, and it is their activity as they hope in the gospel. Now certainly the pieces of armor here show us the need to continually grow in spiritual grace. But I have tried to emphasize that the strength and the security of the armor is not found in our faith, love or hope. These graces are the triad of graces that come as the Spirit of God applies Christ to our souls. So we come to trust Christ. We come to love Christ. We come to hope in Christ. And so the armor is Christ. But yet still we are seeing the activity of the believer in applying Christ to their hearts and to their heads. And so I don't want you to be confused here. Your safety in the battle does not rest upon the strength of your graces. It rests upon Christ. But at the same time, we have a regular, continual responsibility to put on the armor and to keep ourselves safe in the battle. And so having thought about the activity of the believer, I want to think a little bit about the application of Christ to our hearts and heads. You see, we put on the armor as we consider Christ in the word and then ensure that we apply the doctrines of Christ personally to our souls. As Paul will say in Ephesians, Wherefore take unto you the whole armor of God. The armor provided for us, but we are to take it unto ourselves, that we may be able to withstand in the evil day. See, when Paul describes the armor, he describes the breastplate as the breastplate of righteousness. And yet here in Thessalonians, it is the breastplate of faith and love. Now we know that Christ is the righteousness of God provided for us in the gospel. Romans 10 tells us Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believeth. But how is a man justified? Well, he's not justified by his own righteousness, but by that of another. He's justified by Christ's righteousness. But how do we receive that righteousness? Well, it is by faith. The just shall live by faith. Righteousness is imputed to us by faith. And we also know that what comes alongside that faith is love, Christian love. We know that we have not seen Christ, yet we love him. And those who love him, they believe in him. You can see 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 8, and see how love and faith are used as parallel terms. And therefore the breastplate of righteousness is put on by faith and love for Christ. And so it can be called at one and the same time the breastplate of righteousness and the breastplate of faith and love. And as we have put on this breastplate when we first came to Christ, we continue to put it on, we continue to believe, and we continue to love Christ. 
But the protection is not found in our action, but in Christ's work. But it is our work, it is our activity to apply Christ to our hearts by faith and by love. So the attacks of the devil come to our heart and we find ourselves safe from the devil's assaults through Christ. And when fresh attacks come, we must assure ourselves that we are safe because Christ is sufficient as our protection. The doubt may well come regarding our assurance. Are we indeed righteous before God? And the devil will bring doubts. Am I really accepted by God? And of course we know we have the breastplate of righteousness and the attacks of the devil cannot penetrate our heart because Christ is sufficient. His righteousness is sufficient to give us acceptance with God. And so the truth of Christ's righteousness guards my heart. The breastplate that is applied by faith and love. That is the great benefit of the child of God. We are in a spiritual battle. The devil would delight in us doubting our assurance. But our assurance is grounded not in ourselves, but in what Christ is for us as the perfect righteousness of God. And so the devil, the devil may attack us and cause us to doubt. That doubt is addressed by the reliability of Christ's work. And the same can be said regarding the helmet. We see the helmet is mentioned here as the hope of salvation. And so the implication is that the, the helmet is applied as we hope in salvation. Now, it may well be the case that Paul highlights the detail here, the hope of salvation, because of the doubts and the deceptions faced by the Thessalonians. You know, when he refers to the breastplate, he does not use the term righteousness. We, we insert that from Ephesians. But when it comes to the helmet, it is the hope of salvation. Because there were those, again, who were seeking to bring deception that Christ had already come. A similar way, later on in Paul's life, he refers to those in 2 Timothy chapter 2, Hymenaeus and Philetus. And they had erred concerning the truth. And they said the resurrection has passed already. And they've overthrown the faith of some. You see, the, the danger comes as deception and doubts are come as the devil sows false doctrine. But for the believer, salvation is a certain hope. It is the hope of being saved from the wrath of God. And we know that Paul has a future aspect in mind from verses 9 and 10. For God hath not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ. And so we, we understand that the salvation he has in view here is not the salvation we first enjoyed when we come to Christ. In that sense, we are saved. Past tense. By grace, are ye saved? It's also true that's a present reality. We are saved today, and indeed we could say we are being saved. We're being made more like unto Christ Jesus. But the Bible also uses the concept of salvation as a yet future prospect. And the guarantee of that future prospect is that Christ has died for us. That's what Paul says. We are not appointed to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with him. This is our future prospect. And so the helmet, the hope of salvation, protects our minds. 
You see, through doubts and through deception, there were those believers who wondered, would they finally be saved? Perhaps it's all complete and now my, 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 my soul is lost. But by hope, we defeat the devil's attacks. We have the certain confidence of final salvation, future salvation that comes when Christ returns. And so the helmet of salvation certainty, applied by hope, protects our heads from the devil's attacks. What is the response to the attacks of the devil? Well, what is it that protects our heads? It is truth. The truth of Christ, his sufficient work, his future coming, and his coming to save us finally as he raises those who have died from the grave and they are brought into the new heavens and the new earth in that final state of salvation. We respond to that truth in hope and we are protected from the devil's devices. And so when you think of these matters, we understand that we are safe from the devil's attacks as we take truth and apply truth to ourselves as that truth is revealed in the word of God. So what does that mean for you today? Or what will that mean for you tomorrow morning? Well, the foundation for your safety is found in Christ and in Christ alone. Christ alone is our security and our safety in every spiritual conflict. And when I refer to Christ, I'm of course referring to all that is taught regarding Christ, the truth concerning Christ. You know, there are some and they despise the idea of teaching Christian doctrine. And they will say, just give me Jesus, just let me live like Jesus. But of course, the response must be, well, who is this Jesus? And of course, a false Jesus, like those false Christs taught in John's day, they can present no foundation. But the true Christ is the sure foundation of the child of God. And so Christ is the foundation of your safety. Christ as the revelation of God to our souls. Foundation Christ, revelation Christ as he is revealed to us in the word. Hence we read the word. How are you going to face the conflict in every spiritual battle? Well, you will face your spiritual battles as you see Christ in the word. And so we must give ourselves to read the word. If we are in a spiritual conflict waiting for Christ's return, we must give ourselves to the reading of God's word and indeed to the hearing of God's word. But in reading and in hearing, our desire is to see Christ, to grow in our understanding of truth. You see, it is through the word of God that we grow in faith, love and hope. You see, that's the principles here. We are putting on this armour by faith, love and hope. But Paul tells us that those things that were written aforetime were written for our learning that we through patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. Hope that comes through the word of God. And faith comes by hearing. And our love for Christ increases as we know Christ in the word of God. Faith, love and hope come in connection with the word of the living God. And so that is the revelation of Christ to our souls. And so daily we realize, we remember the foundation is Christ. Daily we realize that we must depend upon the revelation of Christ in the word. 
And then finally, we must exercise appropriation. We must take Christ by faith daily. Take Christ to ourselves daily by the power of the Spirit of God. Again, Paul will pray for the believers in Rome. And he will say, Now the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, that you may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Ghost. Note, the Holy Ghost power is required. If we are to put on the armour of God, we must put on the armour with prayer, praying for the Spirit of God to apply Christ to your hearts. The God of hope, filling us with all joy and peace in believing, that we may therefore abound in hope. Christ, in us the hope of glory. And so we take Christ by faith, by the power of the Spirit of God. And though the devil will come and seek to deceive and to bring doubts to your minds, we know that as we have Christ, we are safe in Christ Jesus. Christ taken to us by faith, love and hope. And so as we wait for Christ in this world, and isn't it wonderful to know that Christ is coming back? This world in all of its confusion and all of its sin is a world that is here temporarily until Christ returns. But as we wait for the return of our triumphant Saviour, we continue in warfare, and the armour of the gospel is our only defence. And suppose if I could sum up very briefly, I would say be a student of God's word. I would say study God's word to see Christ. I would say depend upon the spirit of God, depending upon the spirit whereby Christ is applied to your heart. Salvation and security is all of God and it's all of grace. And yet it is our duty to take the word and to believe the word as we know the help of the Spirit of God. And so I'm so thankful that you're taking the time to uh, listen to this program today. Uh, it is my earnest desire that it would be a benefit to you, that you'd find yourself encouraged in the Word of God. For the Word of God is effective and able to give us peace with the Almighty God. Let's bow together in a, a brief word of prayer as we close today's program. Heavenly Father, we thank you again for the Scriptures. We thank you that they tell us about Christ Jesus. And we pray that each and every one of us would know Christ more and more as he is revealed in the Word. Teach us, we pray today. Bless each and every listener as we ask these things in Christ's precious name. Amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this episode of Let the Bible Speak from Malvern Free Presbyterian Church. If you'd like more information about the gospel or the church, please call 610-993-3170 or email malvernfpc at yahoo.com. We extend an invitation to all to join us as we worship the Lord each week. You will be made very welcome. The church is situated at 80 Mallon Road, Malvern, Pennsylvania, at the junction of 401 and Mallon Road. We meet for worship on the Lord's Day at 11 a.m. and 6 p.m. A Bible study and prayer meeting is also held on Wednesday evening at 7 p.m. We preach Christ crucified.